I believe design on the continent is gaining traction in particular industries. And the one thing is the part that is yet to be embraced and discovered to its max is industrial design. In the case of automotive design, it is a process that is from industrial design. The value that industrial design is going to add to manufacturing is going to change the whole continent overnight. Jonathan, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you very much, Adrian. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. It's a real pleasure. We met not so long ago. We met at Nairobi Design Week or just before, I believe. Just before. Yeah. Every time we meet, you've been providing lots of stories about your experiences and your thoughts on, among other things, the automotive industry in Africa, something that you've got experience in. So how did you get into the industry and where did your passion for cars stem from? Thank you very much, Adrian. A lovely question. And in my mind, so many, I would say, answers appear. The first one is the fact when I was growing up, the one thing I really loved to do was really draw. And I loved images. So any kind of book I would open, I'd just look at it. I was just really mesmerized by how pictures communicated. First it was photos, and then it went to drawings. Then I thought of actually drawing also. So it was a very young age. Art really started to appear in my eyes. That said, the car is the one image that actually mesmerized me a lot. That's the one thing that I could say of all these pictures and images that were really shouting at me. The vehicle tended to be in each and every one of those pictures. So when it was time for me to keep on drawing and sketching, mostly cars were the things I was sketching from the very start. I saw somewhere that you found you could create and draw the form of a car quite naturally as a child. Very true. Yes. And that is one thing that really, you know, inspired me and pushed me, I believe. And then it's from there that with time, I was really, really, I'd say, curious to find out Each time I was constantly observing, cars are changing. I was really inquisitive and saying, how come that car looks different? It keeps on changing. So surprisingly, I kept on looking at just one particular brand, which is Mercedes at the time. And I thought about it and said, there's something behind this. There's somebody actually changing these. Surprisingly, I didn't think it was an engineer, which was also surprising to me much later. But I kept on asking myself, okay, I have to find out where do these ideas come from? So it stuck with me. And the only thing that really tried to answer that question were magazines at the time when I was very young. So these articles that would come out mostly for car shows are the only telltale signs that there was some form of creativity going on. They were always describing something called a concept car that really fascinated me big time. And that really spun it all off for me. I know still continuing with your same question, how did I get into this industry? It is constant research, number one, and a lot of curiosity. And after completing my degree, I did an industrial design, uh, art and design degree that was in Uganda. And I set up an association. And it is from that association, the surprising thing came about. People started to inquire, 
And it's through that that I got my first shot. So this association, tell us about what it did. I've done some research into what it is, and I saw some of your earlier ventures as well, and perhaps some ventures that you started some time ago that are still going as well. Yeah, very, very true. To start off with the association itself, the association was birthed with the understanding that there must be people with a similar curiosity as myself and I tried to describe it basically like how I would know in my case, being African, then at the same time being interested in automotive design. So the association is called the African Automotive Design Association. The first of its kind, actually, I got to find out. It was registered in 2006, and that was when I had just finished my university. And it's from that time I thought about it. The power of the internet is an opportunity to connect with others. And I was trying to connect with people like me. And it's through that that I slowly started to get people noticing this online and I started to connect with them. So it's through that, yes, the opportunity slowly appeared, but more importantly, I started to see others like me, those who are actually in the industry, which was so surprising to me, And they gave me loads, loads of ideas and direction of how to approach, how to actually get to an answer and a solution. That said, this association is all about creating, I would say, the human resource that is required in a budding industry that is actually at its early stages as we speak. Right now, across Africa, we do have a lot of assembly plants that are starting to take root. But it's interesting because you can assemble anything, but ownership is back to the person who sent you the things to assemble. And at the end of the day, to own a product, there will be a requirement for intellectual property, just to put it in another way, to have their own kind of spin to it. They need to have creators on the ground. And I'm glad to say, initially, as I started the association, I never actually believed or thought that I would actually be practicing it on the continent. And I was glad to do so. How have you seen the industry on the continent develop then through, maybe that's a two-part question. Let's start with that one. How have you seen the industry develop on the continent since you've started the association? Okay, I'd like to say the one thing that has changed the automotive industry is the fact that branding really put a spin on everything. As assembly plants started to emerge on the continent, many were really tagged the product that they were actually going to assemble like Toyota or other players. Like more recently, it's more of the Chinese products that do appear too. But the realization that ownership is an important thing and connecting to a market, a market has to understand something that they can relate with. So you have companies, even starting here in Nairobi, a good example is Mobius. Mobius had a very interesting story because there was a gentleman who had a fantastic solution through a need that he observed. He was miles away outside Nairobi in a very rough condition. But at the end of the day, he birthed an idea that can actually, you know, move up and down. But the idea is this, that let me just not say it's a Toyota, no. 
he thought about it. It required an ownership of some sort, and that was a brand. So the term Mobius came about, and Mobius Motors, as we speak today, I'm glad to say, is a brand on its own. And slowly by slowly, this brand took its own shape, and they were able to actually craft that in the product. Glad to say they had a first iteration or a first vehicle that they developed, and it really started to echo with the country itself. Everybody started to own it and say, no, this is homegrown. This is coming from Kenya, Mobius Motors. The same goes for another outfit just across the border. Glad to say I was part of it. It is called Kira Motors. So Kira Motors has quite a story to it, but the fact is also just the name itself. Really, it's an indigenous name for the River Nile. And once again, the country also started to really come behind it because they understood and they could understand that brand. And it's from that opportunity of branding that then a product was birthed. In the same way, going to Ghana, there's another company, it's called Kantanka, which is the name of the founder of that particular company. And it is from Ghana. If you'll notice, each and every one of these vehicle startups started to understand that power of just ownership. And the closest they could get was branding. And then it's from that brand that they've been able to actually evolve a product. And that's how I slowly started to see these things evolve. And it's interesting because a lot of this was happening all at the same time. But more importantly, it was being brought to light through the internet, I believe. Mm. So when it comes to a lot of these products, I've seen you run a blog as well. <laughs> yes, yeah? I do. About Correct. African Gov. Absolutely. Yeah, yes. and that, that's quite active. It's got quite a few interesting things on there. And I saw a lot of concepts that you've talked about. And of course, car designers often tend to start with that concept side, right? Beautiful sketches and then turning them into a model. And we see, and you've just talked about the branding being really important because that's a way to get people behind something and start Correct. it. So what happens then and how does that product become a reality in the circumstances? And maybe you've got some examples of successes as well. Okay, glad to say that the biggest example I could actually bring right now still comes back home to Nairobi, actually Kenya as a vehicle that has been completed ground all the way up. That is Mobius One. Mobius One took to heart simplicity, getting its whole shape coming from a structure. That would be the basic structure that would maintain the roof and all the pillars required for the doors to be attached, also the bonnet in the back. And all of this really to make it into production is a very difficult thing. But I'm glad to say that Mobius was the first to actually run to the racing, literally to the finish block by introducing that very vehicle and selling it. To get a product from sketch to ground is very expensive, but I believe Mobius brought an interesting example by saying that we shouldn't just follow 100% the standard that would be for a different continent. Rather, let us try to set the standard. So they tried to set the standard by saying, okay, let us position ourselves to have a vehicle that actually moves and delivers what is required. So it was context-based and they did it, which was pretty surprising, but also I would say insightful for so many around. Mm. Also underlying them is the fact that 
this product at least had a run, meaning it was sold and it was experienced and the users who actually use it at this moment. For the other makers, vehicle makers, they have also done amazing work. I go back down to some that I've worked with, like, for example, Moreza in South Africa. They did a prototype. It was pretty impressive. Okay, we could just define it more as a prototype because mm-hmm. at the moment, it hasn't really hit full production in the case of all the people getting their vehicles immediately, which they will, but it takes a long time. And the standards that they're utilizing are a bit higher and it's very, very difficult to enter. In the same way, I could echo that for other players that, yes, they do have product, fantastic. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they have technical partners that they have to actually work with in order that they can get their product out. Mm. Yeah, that seems the really tricky part in automotive, right? Once you've got the concept, even if you've got a full-scale model or a prototype, it's nowhere near production ready. Correct, because it has to be tested. And the testing game is the interesting part because, for example... How many times will one be able to open a door and close it? And hopefully it won't fall off. So there are particular tests that we call validation. And yeah, if you're able to actually maintain that and have that done for what we call cycles, maybe 1,000 times for each and every single part. So imagine the door hinges, they need to be tested. Then at the same time, imagine a sill that's around the door. At the same time, imagine a seat, the wear and tear. How many times and how long will it actually maintain its shape and also the fabric to maintain its strength? So all of that is factored in. So by the time we see a car on the road, I mean, it's a technical funfair, but more importantly, it has met all the requirements to actually be on the road and quite a massive project. And we actually see products in development going through the same process, stress testing, whether it's a mattress or a mobile phone or a hinge on a a phone, for example. We talked about all these concept cars and these things that appear and the difficulty of bringing them to market. So where are we with the market in terms of, you've mentioned Mobius as an example of something that's already, now I think Mobius 3 is about to come out. Correct. And what I would echo is the fact that Mobius is learning as all other partners on the continent. And right now in their Mobius 3, they have also understood that to get a product to look a certain way and respond a certain way in a given context or in this given area, the demands are hard because they are already competitors. To look like these competitors, there is a demand to now partner with others. So I believe they have technical partners as we speak, because the fact of the matter is to do all the testing required is so expensive. The only way to do it, to break even fast enough, is to have a partner. So it's like you can't really complete and say that, okay, I'm going to make the whole engine assembly and everything and it has to actually compete with the best of the best of vehicles on the road of 2020 or 2021, 2022, you'd need at least a supporting partner to address those things. Just to go back and to define exactly the meat of the question that you defined for me, where do we find ourselves? The association right now is trying to address this gap. As an association, we're looking at the potential of creating a standard. When we create a standard, 
we can slightly define Lord, what we can actually create and what we can actually bring to market. And the demands are different, if we can say, because in Africa, our infrastructure is different. And that is one. Another one is the fact that materials are something to reconsider. We have been playing catch up, but more importantly, we just utilize catalogs that are already made. But what about creating the catalog, which might favor our context? Mm -hmm. That's where the association sits and positions itself to change that game. We are working very closely. I'm glad to say that the association is connected to one particular vehicle partner on the continent mm -hmm. and addressing this through that company to actually bring forth a product literally into the market in record time, we do hope, and change the game in that way. And as we can speak right now, automotive design in the continent is being looked at also from without. For example, we have a European company that is setting shop out in Morocco as we speak, doing automotive design for products that are going to be directed to Africa. Africa, I would say, is, let's say, the last market. Everybody wants to be in Africa. But the fact of the matter is this. We have already tested the best, meaning we have the secondhand car market. At least many of these vehicles that are already used come here. People have at least utilized them and seen the positives and the flaws and everything. These are things that we can learn from. And now bring a product that actually addresses the real needs on the ground, which I see as a great opportunity. Mm. Is yeah. that a product? Is there a particular product category that you're referring to? Very good. Yes. The number one product is utility. It's a utility vehicle, underlined. So it's the Pro Box. The Pro Box. <laughs> I like that. 100%. The Pro Box is, I would say, a benchmark that can be utilized. Another one I would bring forward is also the CV Renault. Mm -hmm. CV1. Yes. Yeah. I would say it is the automotive toolbox of the world. Mm -hmm. It can drive anywhere. Mm -hmm. You can fix it with a screwdriver and you're good to go. A screwdriver, not even pliers or anything. <laughs> a screwdriver. So there are many vehicles that play the parts that can address what actually we are looking for as a utility vehicle. It's now up to, for example, associations, just like the African Automotive Design Association, to point out and say, hey, these are learning points, or what we would call benchmarks or understudies, that will allow us to reach that particular product, elusive product, I can say. When I was growing up in Poland, it was full of Fiats, 125s and 126s. Oh, amazing. And you always heard that they could be fixed with a screwdriver as well. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Very simple mechanically and, yeah, just run. When I was growing up, 80% of the cars on the road was a Fiat, and it was one of those two, and it was always those the little ones. Exactly. Yeah. I would like to say, is there a possibility it was worked with the ladder? The ladder has a very similar vehicle. Yes, exactly it, like was, that, so. it was like, it's, I, I don't know how that development process went because the ladder was the 
the Soviet version, right? Exactly. And then the we had the Fiat, but it looked so similar. The 125 and the, the Lada. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's a very interesting thing. We always knew they looked the same. But <laughs> they looked the very same. And another interesting thing about it is Ethiopia actually embraced that vehicle so much. It had it as their main taxi mm. of choice. I was glad to have a ride in it. Oh my goodness, it's comfortable. I did see. Oh, I did go. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. impressive. Mm-hmm. I have to say, of all vehicles, I mean, you can still find them running around in a hundred percent. Yeah, but they're very comfortable cars. Nice. So, talking about these developments, you've mentioned that there's like a utility vehicle that people are aiming to create that would be most useful. If we look at the market, infamously automotive development is always very difficult, like you've said. Yes. And late, as we see <laughs> announcements all the time <laughs> for things that are four years away and it's still another four years after that, perhaps. Um, in the Cybertruck. <laughs> there you go. So where are we right now in that timeline of things coming out? Are things moving have we got things in the market or are we in that time just before people are starting to produce things and launch things i'm glad to say that we are at the right time and as we speak real product is on the ground the first example comes out also from south africa there's a company called brand t that is if you spell the word brand and then put a t on it this is a very small vehicle outfit they actually build their whole body and they still utilize a different engine, but the fact of utility, they make a robust utility vehicle. And this vehicle is not being exported as much and everything, but the fact is this, that the makers wanted to really just produce for just their area, a limited kind of build of sorts. I mean, it's humbling at the same time that they have already a solution that could actually populate the whole Mm -hmm. of the continent, but they feel it's best kept for now in a particular locale. I'm glad to see that they are indeed communicating that they do have some very good solutions. But the reality is this, that with time, they are actually going to respond and export. A good example is this. They partnered together with a group that's connected with the Wildlife Authority in South Africa, and they made an electric version of their utility vehicle. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty impressive, pretty impressive. That said, at the same time, we do have also an outfit coming from Nigeria who actually puts together vehicles to another level. But their market right now is for armored vehicles, and looking at military style vehicles. But the fact is this, they build an amazing utility machine. Mm-hmm. So right now, everybody, I would say as we speak on the continent, have solved the question. It's all a matter of identifying how best to position their solution in the market, in the right space, I'd say in the right time. Mm -hmm. Because right now, as we speak, we have so many opportunities and gaps. For example, getting produce literally from the garden, that is from the farms all the way to to market. There's a humongous gap right there. There's a demand. Mm -hmm. We're still using very old utility vehicles that come from Japan. These are old workhorses, but they're doing the job. But they still need, no doubt, they need a vehicle. They're shouting for it. Another one is urban transport. 
that's where I would companies just like Kira Motors have really strategized themselves and said, okay, we're looking into urban transport, which is very interesting. That's a huge gap. And that's where they decided and said, let's, let's look at the opportunity of what electrical vehicles can do for us. In the same way, also here in Nairobi, we do have Bussy Go. And we also do have Rome Motors, former OP bus. Really impressive. The fact is, is they're seeing the gap and they're starting to close in. And I think the number one gap that would be the biggest and validated aspect is probably the two-wheel space. Because in our urban setting, our urban space is filled a lot with motorbikes. In South Africa, the whole, I would say, infrastructure is different. So the vehicles are more leisure. The two-wheel mm. space is more leisure. But here in East Africa, the two-wheel space is indeed for courier service. It's there for transportation. It's so, so, so strong and pushing. It's almost like the Asian, Asian space. So imagine turning those vehicles into electric. It's a massive, massive opportunity. These are gaps that I believe need to be addressed. That was going to be my next question to follow up. First of all, you did a, a bus concept for Kira, didn't you? Glad to say I was part of the team. Mm -hmm. Wonderful team. Yeah. And so is that a focus that they have now? Or oh, yes. The good thing that Kira Motors has pushed, there was product development. Glad to say was done quite a while back, 2015, then from there, an initial prototype was developed and designed. Glad to have been on the team, literally from paper mm -hmm. all the way. Built the whole vehicle literally from ground up. People did not really see the process that the whole structure was done, chassis, everything was created. That was impressive. Uh, the fact that it still needed loads of you know requirements to make sure that it gets onto the road. That prototype was done. It was tested. It validated so many things. And I believe it addressed so many questions for opportunities for suppliers to actually think of coming into the space for electric vehicles. I'm glad lessons learned from that prototype have allowed Kira Motors to now build and partly assemble their new vehicles. Mm -hmm. they, they call them the Kayola EVS. And I'm glad to say the term build because they actually, you know, build the whole frame, the whole chassis locally mm -hmm. with local materials. Literally, it is localized very well. So the only things that might come through are the items like lights, batteries, motors, and everything like that. But the rest they actually do, which is hats off to them. They also do have another bus. So they got two particular buses. One is a low floor bus that is for the city and from, I guess, town to town. That particular vehicle is fully electric and they do have another bus, which is a diesel bus, which is for very long distances. Mm -hmm. So they've already done a trip that is all the way from Kampala across to Kenya. Not too sure how far into Kenya, but it's done a good job. And they're pushing for that space, they're actively running with it very well. So you've talked about electric vehicles. Going into the future, that might be a really good place for us to go. You've mentioned a few different players in the market. What's good. the state of the market and where can we expect the market to be in three, five or 10 years? All right. Very good question. Uh, one thing I could say is that you have companies that are willing and ready to 
invest in value addition. That is making sure vehicles are, I'd say, changed from what we could call ICE, which is internal combustion engines, into electric vehicles. So that is a conversion. So there are companies that are on the continent as we speak that are trying to make sure that there's an adoption. So right now, as we speak in Tanzania, there is a company that is actively just changing many of these tour vehicles. A similar prospect had been done with Rome Motors, as we speak here in Nairobi. And that is one set of players that are trying to bring the value proposition of people. You can use that number of vehicles that are on the ground. Mm. And all you just have to do is change the engine that you have, put in the motor and batteries. That is one particular value proposition that we see coming in and taking hold because that is the easiest way of entering into the market because you're not reinventing the wheel. The next one that we're also going to see are full outfits coming into the country, fully designed. A good example of this is a company called Namex, N-A-M-X. They are a French company, but the owner is half French, half Moroccan. And he's looking at bringing a full new spin to vehicles and coming into the region. And first of all, coming to the North African space. And that is with a hydrogen-powered vehicle. It's a very, I would say, interesting departure from the usual. But those are the kind of examples of players who can come out of the blue and introduce themselves with a new image, a new way of actually doing things. Hydrogen might obviously be very, very, I can't say so hard to attain, but the infrastructure itself might be something to work around. It requires a lot of investment, but that's one kind of player that is trying to enter into the market. I would say is a Chinese market because they are electric vehicles, motorbikes, and everything are second to none. I mean, they are amazing. There's stuff that we haven't seen yet, but they're coming extremely fast. So in three years... Yeah, there'll be full outfits that will appear on the ground. And the good thing I would say that they have as an opportunity is that they can partner with also local stakeholders. And these local stakeholders don't have to really do all the crazy expensive product development, but have the Chinese opportunity to support them with those very heavy lifting products and literally bring them into the country, just rebranded. And I guess a new drivetrain method like electric is maybe another opportunity for Africa to leapfrog or at least not go with internal combustion engines, right? Not be producing that and directly go to the new methods. That is a great opportunity, yes. And I think it would be something that we could consider 100%. But once again, it just has to have the right value proposition. Let me give you an example. People did not know exactly how Africa would respond to the mobile phone. But Africa is the number one market for handsets. Literally, we eat them up for breakfast in the case of we are a market that really take on this mobile phone. We see the value, even in places which don't even have the infrastructure for charging a battery. People actually look for that mm -hmm. and they manage to charge that. So... Looking forward, especially for the electric vehicle, all we just need is the right example, a right product that shows the value to an extent 
that everybody is going to adopt it overnight. And they will factor it in their budgets. They will position themselves and say, yes, we need this product because number one, it saves us money in the case of fuel. It saves us the opportunity of maintenance and it gives us the opportunity of, I would say, free thinking in the way of all we just need to do is, you know, change the battery and we get more out of this. So I'm actually going to get to a particular point I wanted to raise a little bit earlier and identify a car that I believe is literally this answer to Africa. Even though it is positioned in a different country and it is marketed in a different country, I believe it addresses what Africa is looking for. This is the Ford Lightning. I don't want to be an advertiser or anything, but this, this vehicle addresses amazing things. It gives you the opportunity of going 400 kilometers, if I got it correct, or miles on a full charge. Or instead of using that for driving up and down, you have the capacity of actually charging your home for 48 hours. So imagine this value proposition, and it is a pickup truck. So can you imagine a pickup truck that you can use? It takes you literally over 400, let's put it at kilometers, 400 kilometers when you really need. So you actually imagine a person who's working and I'm like, oh, okay, I get paid by hauling stuff, moving mm. stuff. So I can decide I get paid that way. And all I just did was just charge my vehicle. Another thing is this, oh, maybe I could actually, you know, offer to charge somebody's home or maybe charge somebody's small shop. And look at that. The vehicle is actually a power station and it's also an opportunity of making goods. So if that product shows its value proposition in the right way, with the right brand, I think it's an opportunity waiting to be explored, not only explored, but to be captured. Mm. That's really interesting. Power banks for everything that you need. Technically. Yeah. I can understand the need for a pro box, you know, something, the utility vehicle. Yes. I would have definitely had an understanding that either the motorbikes that you see lots of or passenger vehicles may be easier to scale into, easier to get into those markets because it doesn't rely so much on consumers. And I guess we're seeing some organizations already going into business of fleets. Right. That's very true. Commercial space is so important because at the end of the day, theirs is about the logistics of probably the goods moving from A to B. And at the end of the day, that reduces the price of things. It can actually just be that one vehicle or at the same time, as I said before, retrofitting or changing literally what we have on the ground from ICE to electric. Because we do have a lot of vehicles that can still do the work, but all they just need is just tweaking. Or if we just get a proper, you know, workhorse that can actually do the job. Great. It's a really insightful overview that you've given me. I wonder if there's anything you wanted to add, any anecdotal story you have. Okay. <laughs> Very interesting. Value addition through design. Now, I'd like to say that design has been understood in business. For example, in banks, 
banks have understood that there's a requirement for a branding department. This is the appreciation of design, be it in graphics, be it in typography and the rest, and be it also in, for example, fashion, in the case of what particular materials and colors and everything. I believe design on the continent is gaining traction in particular industries. And the one thing is the part that is yet to be embraced and discovered to its max is industrial design. And industrial design really is part and parcel of what we've discussed in the case of automotive design, which I practice. And also at the end of the day, it is a process that is from industrial design. The value that industrial design is going to add to manufacturing is going to change the whole continent overnight. And at the moment, if we talk to heads of many of the manufacturing companies or those who are assembling, they very well know the value and they're ready to pay for it, but only to companies or particular places they believe that understand how to do it. So for example, we have many companies in Africa that pay a good amount of money to Europe, US, and Asia for the industrial design. Let me give you an example. The sole of a shoe. Many people go ahead and, yes, they invest, usually just for one particular design of the sole of a shoe. It requires, let's call it a tool and the mold, literally, that allows for replication of this design usually 10,000 US dollars per design. They're ready to actually pay that out in China, out in other places, but not on the continent because they're just not sure that our human resource or the resource is actually available on the continent. I believe this is about to change and I'm glad to see it slowly start to being echoed in places like Nairobi Design Week was a great example of showing that Design isn't just limited to particular areas, but also it has a huge impact for manufacturing. A good example is also, as we have indeed, Sandstorm here that does bags and everything, but they actually literally show the value add because of design and they're scaling it and it is industrial. At the same time, as people are slowly getting the awareness, as we speak out here, if I got it correct in Lamu, they're building a boat and that boat is so impressive because we're looking at literally naval architecture or the naval architecture is really the more engineering side. The boat design is the industrial design. And I'm glad to see that they're really pushing it in the way of utilizing new materials, embracing the fact that they want to teach people by people come together. Let us make a boat. They've made a boat. They've sailed it. It works amazingly. But Look at the materials. The materials are done from what we would call garbage, but now it is recycled into a product. That shows the value add of design. And I would say industrial design is being unveiled right now as we speak, and it's making a massive change. Yeah, and it's often the case that we see, you mentioned the lack of, it's kind of, you know, the chicken and the egg because yes. people don't bring in manufacturing or even design skills into a place unless there's a market. Correct. And the market 
tends to skew towards foreign things because that's what's imported and that's what's available to people. And then it promotes bringing things in from abroad rather than making things locally. Flip Floppy, who made the boat in La that DAO is a really incredible showcase and they've made a smaller version and a a bigger version. It's a really incredible showcase of the local knowledge as well to create the boat making knowledge. And what they've started doing now, which is a really effective way of bringing in a manufacturing method, is to bring in a resource, which for them is they're making plastic timber, So they're extruding sections of plastic. And once you have that capability, you have that machine, you can then start thinking, what can we do with that resource? What can we do with plastic timber specifically? Rather than saying, hey, we need an injection molder to do this, and we need this, and we need this. We can look at the problems and then look at what's available to us. And maybe that plastic timber is just more durable than some timber in the area. They've also been applying it with local sculptors who they showcased, which was almost using traditional techniques. It was sculpted. It looked like a normal chair from Lamu, but it was made out of solid plastic. Exactly. Those are the opportunities I'm glad to say that we are seeing. And all it takes is the creative mind to express themselves and have that in their hands. And I would say the narrative will be changed instantly. Amazing. Thank you, Jonathan. I've got a couple of quick ones. We got straight into conversation. So it's always at the beginning or at the end. Has your name got a meaning or a reason? Do you know? I know one of the examples. Jonathan is a gift from God. That's the only meaning that I know. And my other name is more of a regional name. Kasumba in Zambia is known. There's a bird that shares the same name. There's a whole town that is named Kasumba that is near the border of Uganda and Tanzania. And Kasumba is a traditional name in the Buganda culture in Uganda. Does it have a meaning in any of those places that you're aware of? Not that I'm aware of. Uh Interesting. Jonathan, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Adrian. Brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) If you have any ideas for episodes we should do, people we should host on the show, please let us know. We're really, really interested in hearing your thoughts. And if you've made it this far, a review would mean so much to us as well on whichever platform you're listening to us on, or even a recommendation to one of your friends or through a tweet. We hope to get these stories out there to more people. I'm Adrian Jankowiak. This episode was edited by David Kengori with music by Ngala and Mercy Barna. Thank you for tuning in to Africa Design.